welcome to the Better Clinician podcast with myself, Ben Cormack, and also Adam Meekins. The Better Clinician project brings you high quality education at a ridiculously low price. This podcast will bring you topics that are relevant to modern clinical practice, all done with a bit of fun and humour. Nothing in this podcast constitutes medical advice. Okay, welcome back to another one of our monthly in-depth thoughtful Thursdays where me and Mr Cormac like to flex our grey matter and our biased opinions and get to grips with some of the questions that our members throw at us. So, Betty Boo Boo, are you ready for another Thoughtful Thursday, buddy? I'm always ready for being thoughtful, sir. Always ready for being thoughtful. I am indeed. So, first things first, if you're watching the video of this, hello from Cyprus. This is why I've got a slightly different background to the video today. If you're listening on the podcast, also, hello from Cyprus. This shows the dedication that I have to continuing education and the BCP because I am supposed to be sitting out in the sun, in my cabana, drinking a beer in the Cyprus sun, and I'm sitting inside my hotel room teaching and educating the masses around musculoskeletal therapy. I bet you have left your towel on that cabana, haven't you, that no other fucker can get on there? Hey, mate, I'm in a fancy hotel where actually, do you get a designated cabana for your room whilst we're here during your stay? So I, I, I really like that. So you don't have to rush out and beat the Germans mm. to the, the, the Sunday. Yeah, but for, for context, when I when we were kids, probably in the 80s, uh, there was always a big thing about the British and the Germans rushing down to the sunbeds at five in the morning around the Spanish Oh. Do you remember that great ad with the Carlsberg? Well, I think it was the Carlsberg beer ad with the old um, towels. With the, they're all fighting to throw the towels over to the sunbeds, and it was all like the Germans had their German towels and the Brits had their Brit towels. Yeah. No? Yeah. Oh no, I don't remember that specific. I remember the Carls, well, you know, loads of the Carlsberg adverts. But but yeah, there's always that, and the, you know, there's always. I remember my wife will be like that. That I always see that fucker get up at like four in the morning to go and put his towel down. Yeah. And then she goes, and then they've gone for a three hour lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, none of that around where I am. As I say, this hotel has got a great system where you actually say you get allocated your sunbeds and your cabanas when you, uh, when you turn up and you get it for the duration of your stay. So you've got it there sorted. No need to rush or panic about if someone's going to nick it. Yeah. I think that sounds like a good system, actually, that you get that kind of allocated saves all that, you know, kerfuffle. Stress as stress, well. Holiday, yeah. stress. holiday stress, yeah. yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. moving on from my holiday stress, right. let's talk about some of the questions that the BCP have thrown us. What's the first one we're going to do? Right, we're going to look at good old Bob Hessel. He uh, has... Good old Bob, regular Bob. Regular Bob. <laughs> yeah, Bob's bowels are brilliant. Um, and he's asked us a question. So talking about exercise, um, types of exercise. So he's asking, how true is this? Um, plyometric exercise for tendons, ballistic type of exercise for muscle. And then this idea that, you know, the plyos for tendons because of kind of energy storage type of stuff. And then ballistic for muscle 
because of the recruitment for a place where the energy has dissipated. So what do you think, Mr. Miki Moomins? So how true is that? It's not true at all. <laughs> it's the simple it's the simple answer, I would say, there to answer Bob's question, because you can't just differentiate a muscle from a tendon when you're doing exercises. You know, if you're doing a plyometric exercise, it's not just going to affect the tendon. And when you're doing a ballistic exercise, it's not just going to affect the muscles because muscles and tendons are one and the same thing. They are different, you know, from a histology and an anatomy point of view, they're different structures, but they're connected the same. They'll be working during these same exercises. So no, I don't think it's as simple as, as what Bob has uh, been told by somebody else or what he's read from somewhere else that they say plyometric exercises are better for tendons and ballistic exercises are better for uh, muscles. I mean, I suppose we should perhaps for those listening, perhaps just quickly describe the difference between a plyometric and a ballistic exercise because they are sometimes words used interchangeably and not sometimes understood. So I think, you know, a, a plyometric exercise, the way I describe that simply is there's just an energy storage phase before the explosion. So you absorb energy and force before you return it, where with a ballistic exercise, it doesn't have that. It is just an explosion of energy. Uh, so I sometimes describe that with the upper limb exercises with a medicine ball. If you were to throw a medicine ball as hard as you could and as far as you could, that would be classed as a ballistic exercise for your upper limbs because you are just pushing a mass as fast or as far as you possibly can. So you don't have any any pre-energy storage to assist you to throw it. However, if somebody was to throw you the medicine ball first and you were to catch it and try to return it to them as quickly as you can, then that could then potentially be, if you do it quick enough, you could turn that into a plyometric exercise where you absorb the force of the medicine ball coming towards you and then use that to your advantage to throw it back as quick as you can. Yeah, yeah. So... Look, so, you know, you, there probably is, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, trying to differentiate, you know, or separate what happens between tendons and muscles is probably not a wise place to go. Because I almost guarantee that different people will use their muscles and tendons actually probably in slightly different ways and, you know, they have different properties, et cetera. So I do think looking at the muscular tenderness unit is, is probably better than trying to separate them. It's going to have no clinical utility for a therapist or a fitness trainer in any way, shape or form. There may be some benefit, I think, as you say, from a histology point of view, maybe uh, if you were getting down into the nitty gritty of cellular actions, myofibrillar actions, maybe at a basic science level. But to transfer that over into any clinical utilities, just it, it's not needed or uh, important you know it's the same thing i saw some discussions around you know during isometric exercises is is the actual muscle fibers during isometric shortening and therefore the tendon is lengthening as we hold an isometric contraction uh and i'm like possibly yeah but what who the fuck cares <laughs> you know, at the end of the day it's about you know the load and, and how it's been applied to the person not to the actual individual muscle fibers or tendon fibrils yeah, and I think there was um, there was work by a guy called Ben O'Nig, who um, I don't know if he was a podiatrist actually, 
Um, and he talked about the tuning of the muscle versus the tendon. Um, so a plyometric probably relates to the tuning of a muscle and a tendon, if that makes sense. So if you think about that theory that the muscle doesn't lengthen because it's energy inefficient for a muscle to lengthen and shorten because it costs ATP, right? The idea is that the tendon lengthens. Well, no, that doesn't, doesn't even cost a pound. That's quite cheap. Yes, it doesn't cost a pound. Um, but... Yeah, the, the 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 point is that if a muscle stays isometric and a tendon moves, that's energy efficient. Um, and there was a guy called R. McNeil Alexander who did loads of animal research around this. So the point is, for a tendon to work effectively and energy efficiently, the muscle has to do something as well. So we cannot say that a plyometric is about the tendon and not about the muscle. It's about the tuning and the relationship between the two. Um, and I think that's really important for uh, um, a for uh, a tendon to be energy efficient or for the leg to work energy efficiently, then the muscle also has to have a contractile relationship with the tendon. And I think it's that relationship that's important rather than just saying plyometrics are about tendons, because yeah. it, you need the tuning of the muscle potentially to allow that lengthening of the tendon for the energy storage in return. Yeah, totally agree, mate. As I say, at the end of the day, for most clinicians and trainers, it's just not going to change your clinical reasoning about what type of exercise you give somebody. The reason why you give a ballistic exercise or a plyometric exercise isn't because of what you think is happening uh, at one particular structure. It's about other things going on in the person, about yeah. their tolerance levels, their irritability levels as well. But I suppose if I was rehabbing a tendon, I would want some plyometric exercise in there. But it's not solely just about the tendon. It's also about the relationship between the tendon and the muscle. Good. All right. Thanks, Bob. Regular Bob for one of your regular questions, mate. Much appreciated. Good old regular Bob. <laughs> Could be his new name now. Mm. Regular Bob. Regular Bob. There you go. See, that that's how regular Bob is. He has his own nickname. Right, what's the next one then? What we got? Right, so we have also one from Andrew. Andrew's quite a regular as well. He um, is. And it's always good. BCP, as we would love to, to you know, for some other people to to chime. Not that we not that we are complaining or moaning, uh, just we would also love as many people as possible to chime in and be a regular as well. Don't be shy at asking us questions. Come on. It's you, you're like, you're, you know... They're scared of you, Adam. It's you. It's you. <laughs> Look at that face. Look at that. So Andrew has asked us a question um, talking about a past experience of, um, of patients that you've had to refer back for possible red flags or even to the ER for any medical emergencies and how you handled those situations and felt during or after. Yeah, I've had a couple of these throughout my uh, career, 20-odd years now, so unfortunately uh, bound to come every now and again in uh, a situation where you've got a suspicion of a red flag or something serious and sinister, or you've got something else that says there definitely is something serious and sinister there and you have to pass them on. One case that sticks in my, guy, in my mind is an old guy who suffered a... Uh, pathological fracture during rehabilitation with me for a shoulder condition oh. and, it, and it happened actually within session and uh, we had to take him 
down to the A&E in the hospital that I was working at there and then. Can I just clarify, you broke a patient? Te- technically, yes. <laughs> um, I'm assuming it's some kind of insufficiency fracture. Yeah, unfortunately, it was a, it was a metastasis. So it was a, it was a secondary met in his uh, proximal humerus. Uh, humerus in his hu- Yeah, it was in his humerus. Yeah, proximal humerus. It was shoulder. So he had a... He, had a, uh, he originally had an injury to his wrist, which I think was a fracture as well. Uh, but then he suffered stiffness in his shoulder i think it was in his late 60s early 70s and say we were rehabbing his shoulder after his fracture for his wrist and during some stretching that we're doing um yeah he said ouch and we could see quite clearly due to the deformity that his humerus had fractured so yeah that was a pretty dramatic experience where we're like christ okay well there's something traumatic happened there. We need to get you to the A&E immediately. So carried him down or escorted him down to the A&E and sat there with him in the waiting room and handed him over to the nursing staff and the doctors there and said, hello, I'm Fadham. I'm the physio that works upstairs in the next wing and uh, I've just broken this patient. Can you fix them up for me? Well, it's probably a good situation that you were in a hospital there, wasn't it? Could you imagine if you'd have done that like in a clinic or a you know in a gym type of environment that would have been probably a little more stressful yeah i suppose that is one good thing it was literally only a five minute walk to get him to the a and e department from where we were so i suppose that was the blessing the unfortunate thing was to say once it was found out to be a pathological fracture due to a a tumor um he was obviously had to start aggressive uh treatment for it but it was found to be terminal and uh, a couple of months later unfortunately he uh, passed away Theory and was there? Upon assuming there were no other kind of indicators there, that- looking back, let's say when when I found out that it was a secondary metastasis, I, I I was like, come on, there must have been something. And I suppose looking back now at it in hindsight, there probably were there, and they were just because it was I was young and naive, and I didn't spot them straight away. He he didn't look well. I think oh, no. he, he did just looked grey, ashen. He looked like a very frail old man, and I just put that down to him being... A frail um, old man. <laughs> yeah, a bit a bit from a social, lower economical background as well. as a bit disheveled, a bit unkempt as well, so I just thought perhaps that's because of his social economical background. Didn't take much care of himself. He lived on his own as well, so I just thought, you know, you haven't got a woman to, to pester you to go and brush your teeth and brush your hair in the morning, so that may be the reason as well. Um, but as I say, just looking back, I should have perhaps noticed that he just, yeah, just didn't look well. He had, um, say, signs of fatigue. He had no energy during the session. And, uh, yeah, perhaps perhaps those were the signs and the red flags I should have kept an eye out for. But it was within my, I think it was the first couple of years of the physio, I think. I was a junior. I think it was on one of my first musculoskeletal rotations. Oh, oh mm-hmm. so a while ago then. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just thinking about one that I had, actually, which was a guy who came to me with kind of, you'd probably call it, you know, a upper kind of quadrant pain. I think he was complaining a little bit about the shoulder blade and the shoulder. And actually, this guy had had a history of cancer. So he was quite open about um, that he had had this, you know, previous cancer, et cetera, and, and, and these type of things. But he was really quite adamant that this wasn't, related to cancer you know this was we went through a medical history and i can't actually remember where the first cancer was um 
and I remember noting it down and thinking, oh, he said, you know, it would been actually quite recently within the last couple of years. So he was only just coming out of out of kind of, you know, that that phase of his life. And he, and he had this problem. And I can't remember. I think one of the trainers in the gym I was working in referred him over to me. Um, and I was like, you know, probably with the history, it's probably worth going and, you know, just making sure that this isn't that. Um, and guess what happened? It, it was that. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So quite quickly it became apparent that it wasn't something musculoskeletal. It was um, the cancer had come back. And I can't remember how old he was. He must have been in his early 40s, and I probably was in my early 30s. Um, and I, yeah, and we'd done a couple of sessions. Nothing had really changed. He was a bit resistant to the idea that of going back and having it checked. Um, maybe because he just didn't want to deal with it or, or whatever. Um, and I remember he went back and, and, and he had it checked and he came into me and said, you know, and I was a bit like, oh, man. Um, what do you, you know, it's really, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I suppose, you know, what, what. Yeah, it's one of those situations where you go, well, I'm glad I've done that. Kudos to me for making you go and do it. But, you know, it, it's it's also not nice knowing that somebody's got something and you found it serious and sinister that could have no yeah and i and i think anyone with a recent history of cancer thoracic shouldery type of pain i i think you'd be really not that smart to not have it checked yeah. a little bit more medically do you know and what some, i mean some people just need as you say somebody else to not make that decision for them but just to give them that little push that they, they probably know they should do and go and do it. But as you say, they just don't want to face up to it. So they need somebody else to, you know, just say, come on, you bet, but you, you've got to do it. It's better, it's better to do it rather than yeah. not. Yeah. So, Especially, you know, it, I, I don't think, as I remember, right, it didn't fit. It didn't feel unmechanical, but it didn't feel mechanical. Does that make yeah. some sense? It was yeah. this weird zone in between. And I was a bit like, you know, I think you'd probably, I think what he felt that it was is he'd done a lot of training post-cancer to get himself back and fit and ready again. And he felt it was musculoskeletal and related to his training. And I didn't really know. And I thought maybe what the best thing to be would just check that out. Um, I think that's a great point is that, you know, we talk about these red flags and these signs and symptoms being clear and distinct and obvious and, and they just fucking aren't. I don't care what anybody says. And and it is, you know, sometimes people do present with very musculoskeletal symptoms that may be, you know, not musculoskeletal. Uh, and likewise, people that sometimes present to mus us with musculoskeletal symptoms that don't appear to be musculoskeletal, we start panicking and worrying and they actually are musculoskeletal problems. So, you know, we've got to, as you say, use our clinical reasoning gut instinct a bit sometimes as well. If it just doesn't feel right, just doesn't sound right, just makes you feel a bit, you know, what I, I always tell clinicians sometimes, you know, it's good to to trust a bit of gut instinct here. Yeah, I suppose you always want to be a little more on the sensitive side than the specific side, don't you? I, I would much rather have a yeah, false a, a fal yeah. yeah a false negative rate with this stuff than a false positive rate. So I'd much prefer to over-refer, you know, and perhaps get half of the referrals of serious stuff coming back saying, that's fine. If I've got a 50% success rate, I'm hoping that I'm not letting many slip through. If I've got 100% success rate spotting this stuff, I'm probably missing stuff. Yeah, yeah, ab ab absolutely. And um, 
I think even the research tells us there's a great paper called uh, I think it's called Are Red, Red Flags Red Herrings? Yeah, yeah there's that. The Hagen, I think it is. Yeah, and that's just kind of saying that you know I think red flags are the best thing that we have, and they are yeah. signs and symptoms of serious pathology. However, they are very inaccurate in that sense they are only indicators aren't they potential indicators could every red flag have a non-serious reason involved as well absolutely you know weight loss night sweat all of these things exactly it it, it is about you know recognizing and understanding what these red flags are but it's also again you know using your clinical reasoning and your and your suspiciousness and your gut instinct, a bit of common sense as well doesn't go a pharmacy here as well. Yeah. You know, I'm just piecing it all together. And it says, hey, we always talk about it, it's weighing up probability, you know. And in here, I think sometimes having that slightly lower threshold of on referral, uh, say, Ooh. not having to have that probability up at 80%, but more around the 50%, that's okay. Well, I think that for me, that's exactly what a previous history of cancer does. Yeah. So as soon as I hear that, that just lowers the threshold massively for me. Because we know that that is by far and away the strongest indicator of something that happens in, in the future. That um, is a good one, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's one of those situations that really says to me, ah, what, you know, there, I don't think there's any harm in, in, in checking that out. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so there we go. Another thoughtful Thursday done and dusted from sunny Cyprus. And uh, I don't know, what is it like? what's it like in the UK at the moment? Oh, it's, it's been amazing over the weekend. Really hot. Sunday was like 30 degrees. Um, I got maybe a little red. I was going to say, uh, you know, you've got a better tan than me over there than I have over it. There you go. A uh, bit of tennis, mate, been out in the sun. Um, and although my arm is bloody killing me now, and... Uh, today is classic UK. Three days, beautiful sunshine. Now it's grand shit. There we go. Yeah. There you go. I'm not missing that, but I am missing out on the sunshine. So I'm going to wrap up this thoughtful Thursday to get out. And it just to say to everybody on the podcast, if you're listening and you're not a member of the BCP, why the fuck not? Come and join us, the biggest online community of musculoskeletal therapists where we go through monthly topics and do various discussions on assessments, treatments, and rehab ideas, as well as reviewing research, all for a low cost. So come and join the BCP today. But until next month, we'll catch you later for another Thoughtful Thursday. Thank you for listening to the BCP podcast. If you would like to check out the BCP, please go to www.betterclinicianproject.com. There we have literally hundreds of videos on clinical topics, exercise examples for rehabilitation and research reviews alongside features such as Thoughtful Thursday. And please tune in again.